0: So welcome to Bob Gordon and Diane Charnes. Uh, Both of you are very experienced folks in what we might call a social impact uh, sector of both talent advisory and um, leadership alignment. So if you would please, uh, let's take just a moment very quickly to each of you, give us a quick intro to, to who you are and maybe a little bit about what draws you to working in this sort of a space instead of say, um, strictly in private equity or industrial or consumer and retail kinds of areas. Uh, let's start with Diane.
1: Great, thank you, Peter. Um, I'm Diane Charnas with CRG and I lead the firm's um, nonprofit and social impact practice. Uh, came to this work naturally after an early career in corporate industry and then the opportunity to serve as the head of talent at Georgetown University. Uh, and then back into to a search firm, and observed that uh, nonprofits could really benefit from some of the advances and best practices and efficiencies of the for-profit sector, but they struggled to, um, to recruit leaders from a diverse background, diverse perspective, multi-sector experience, um, and often would go towards those that had been in the exact same role for another Peer institution, and uh, it's become my passion to deploy and redeploy leaders from multiple sectors uh, into mission-driven institutions to transform and advance their work to serve society.
2: Right. Yeah thanks Diane. Uh, So what brought me in, I I started a long time ago, Uh, I was in the uh, not-for-profit sector for 30 years uh, with Outward Bound uh, and Outward Bound USA so uh, you know and that was about changing people's lives and uh, young people and young leaders as well as adults and even corporations Uh, and and it was fantastic work. Uh, It was uh, you know, an organization that changed people's lives, it changed my life, and, uh, and then we got to work with other great organizations along the way. And then after 30 years uh, of doing that, I jumped in with Brimstone Consulting Group, which is a, a, you know, a subsidiary of ZRG and part of the ZRG family. And, uh, and in that work, I really enjoy bringing you know, sort of the best practices of what's happening with a lot of our corporate clients as well as nonprofit clients to that sector. And, uh, and bring the tools and, and sort of the structure and discipline to up their game, to help them scale, to help them be more effective. And, uh, and I just love organizations that have, you know, powerful missions and they're changing uh, society. So uh, that, that's great work. So, you know, I, I do it all. We work with a lot of big corporations. But when we get to work with sometimes large nonprofits or government organizations, it's really gratifying. And uh, I love the work.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you. So one thing that's interesting, I think, is from both of you, I'm hearing discussion of uh, these organizations as mission driven. And, you know, and I know that the idea of talking about this space as being, you know, referring to it as social impact is a little bit newer, right? We might previously have only talked about it in terms of its profit or not for profit status. But really, that's about tax filing, right? That's not about what the organization is really about. So uh, can either of you or both of you take a stab at briefly defining what folks might consider to be within that social impact center uh, sector, rather. Sorry, uh, and is there any consensus around this definition uh, that you see coming from inside? In other words, can you give us what people might see from the outside and does that match up with what the people working in the sector see from the inside?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Peter. I'll take a stab. At that, um, and as you said aptly so, uh, being a nonprofit is an IRS definition, not um, really representative of, of much else. Um, but the the concept um, is that social impact is about any organization making significant or positive changes to solve some of the greatest challenges that we have in society today. So whether that's a government organization, uh, a, an IRS-defined nonprofit, a corporation, a public-private partnership, any of those institutions and all contribute to, uh, to working with society uh, for the better good. And increasingly so, I think the COVID pandemic and the societal focus um, you know, over the last couple of years, as really some of the research is indicating that um, corporations are increasingly trusted by citizens of this country and really the world to have even greater impact on solving some of these challenges where as their trust level wasn't as high before. And I think the drug development, accelerated drug development process and what happened uh, with some of the social unrest and corporations response to that and, and looking internally at their own organizations and what they could do has really accelerated this more contemporary view of, of what social impact really
2: is. You know. I, I love that Diane and and I couldn't agree more and, and what we're seeing you know even with a lot of uh, you know and I agree it's a you know it's an IRS term but you know a lot of our corporate clients are doing incredibly impactful work around the environment around you know and I look at the automotive industry right now around electric vehicles and the work they're doing and taking the lead on it and they're not waiting for regulation uh, and then around uh, we do uh, work and we have a number of folks that worked in the, the uh, outdoor space around uh, clothing and so forth and you know the steps being taken there and Patagonia is one that a lot of people know well uh, but you know there are many others that are out there trying to do the same kind of work, and you know, just clean up uh, the supply chain, but also the waste stream, and and really make a difference. So, I think it's a really exciting time because I think you know, it, 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 society is calling for it. But I feel like the organizations out there are really stepping up and, and sincerely care uh, for the right reasons. So, it's it's a great time to be be out there and and to see what's going on.
1: Yeah, I agree, Bob, and. I, you know, when the 08 and no, 09 recession hit, um, there was such a diminution of government funding um, towards social services, towards the arts, towards, um, you know, these organizations and uh, what's needed in society. And so it's really been evolving since then. And then the COVID pandemic and social crises really have accelerated.
0: So, uh yeah, you've both mentioned and touched in with uh, the COVID pandemic and the sort of social unrest that we definitely saw in the United States, but that also sort of echoed across the across the globe in the last couple of years. What are the? How has that specifically affected folks in this space, Diane? You mentioned sort of more attention being paid, and 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 Bob, you mentioned that there are people who are now sort of coming, almost kind of coming out of the woodwork. Not not the woodwork as so much as coming more public with uh, the good works that they may be doing. You know, you you mentioned Patagonia and, uh, you know, I know they do the warm wear program where they take things back in and, and repair them and resell them. And uh, I've now seen that the North Face is doing the same thing to, to put another big name in there, right? So so it's it's kind of great to see there's some catch up being played there. But um, what, what have you seen from the inside uh, from how this is all really, landed in the social impact space.
2: Yeah, I I guess I'll go inside in a a moment, but I think I'm going to go to the people themselves, you know, because you mentioned COVID and Diane mentioned it. Uh, I I think a lot of people are just reevaluating how they work and the kind of work they want to do. And I think that's really impacting. One, you know, there are organizations obviously that have been focused on social impact and doing good and all of that for a long time. I think what's happening in the workforce though is that people are really saying, who do I want to work for and how can I make a difference? And, and I th- we're probably all seeing that. I see a lot of head nodding and, and it, it's exciting, you know, because I, I, you know, I, I was out yesterday with a young person who had just switched jobs and, uh, and I said, how's the new job? And she said, "It's great." And, and I, oh, really? You know. And uh, and then she explained, you know, the work she was doing and the impact it was having, and and you know, and the other organizations that she worked for had been doing a great job. They do good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it was wasn't connecting with her heart. And uh, and and you can have both, you know, or you can have multiple uh, impacts and bottom lines and all of that. And I think that's the other thing that's really important is that people understand. Uh, there are multiple bottom lines, and uh, and you have to make money to do good, but uh, you can also you know really have an impact on your people, and and society and everything else. But uh, but I think during COVID especially, a lot of people and, and we've heard all the different terms, but you know they're reevaluating. Hey, how do I want to spend my time? And uh, and I think that's that's a good thing, and I think it's forcing organizations to step up to the plate uh, in a way that. Uh, is transformational.
1: I, I would agree with that. The area of, of philanthropy and funding—you know how how do you fund these initiatives um, to address these injustices and challenges? And so, corporations, as Bob said, are stepping up uh, through their own corporate foundations, also through family foundations. And I've also noticed two subsectors of the social impact space that are really uh, making an impact and growing. One is um, uh, social impact investing. So, private equity firms, venture capital firms, the creation, there's out in San Francisco, you know, there's multiple multi billion dollar social impact funds which are selecting you know, private entities to fund that have a mission focus that's in alignment with perhaps the core values and culture of, uh, of these funds, and you know, whether it's conservation-based or healthcare-based. Um, and I really uh, see the social impact funds having uh, the opportunity to direct um, you know, funding and impact in a really transformational way. The other subsector that I'm really watching closely and doing, also doing some work in, is with accelerators, um, whether they be university-based accelerator programs, community-based, you know, cities have accelerators, universities have accelerators, and they are either funding or creating an environment where entrepreneurs, students, faculty, community members who have a business idea that's um, socially impactful. Um, they'll admit them into their programs, help them uh, build uh, their product or their concept, um, give them mentorship, sometimes give them access to capital, and that is also going to be, uh, the Accelerator community is going to be a, a huge driver for success for the social impact area. Really terrific initiatives in both areas.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's some really cool stuff happening, and uh, I, I happen to live off the coast of Maine, and uh, and there's some neat stuff happening down in Portland uh, with some research going on around seaweed and and you know looking at alternatives, you know, and other ways to create and make things uh, not out of plastic but out of uh, alternatives, and uh, you know j- just talking to some people that are involved in that space, and uh, you know and, and and it's it's just exciting to see it but to to pick up on their energy you know because it's such a win-win in that okay we can do something uh, that uh, takes waste out of the system but we can also make a product that's a good product and i think that's the bottom line as well which is you know it's not necessarily a compromise in fact uh, in many cases it can be strategically advantageous a better product uh, you know less waste less recycling all of those things. So, uh, it, for me, uh, just seeing uh, the folks that are out there really thinking about new ways to do things that uh, you know maybe have been around for a long time, but nobody's really said, "Hey, let's stop and look at some of these things a little differently."
1: And Bob, um, you know, interesting for us to, to talk about too. What kind of leaders are? Um, are best trained and developed to lead these kind of social impact organizations. I'm wondering, I have some thoughts, but wondering yours as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think obvious, you know, the obvious ones, right, are sort of having uh, some core values and a sense of purpose or, around uh, making a difference and doing good. And I think the other things that I see, Diana, I'm curious to hear if they're similar, I'm guessing they are, but it's around, you know, stakeholder management. Uh, and I do a lot of work around stakeholder management with all of my clients. And, and everybody thinks they do a really great job with that, you know, getting the right people at the table. And, uh, and, and the reality is, you know, what we often see is the, the people aren't there. And so I think the leaders that are really successful in you know making social impact, whether it's environmental or or, or what have you, they're getting the right people at the table, and they're letting the conversations happen, uh, and and sort of pulling out the best thinking out there. Uh, so anyway, I you know I see that a lot. I see people that you know uh, really you know care, and and it's just not talk. It's really about. Uh, they care about their people they care about uh, the issue that they're addressing and uh, and i think also they know how to pull the resources together because i think that's another important piece of this which is you know there's an art and a real skill to that which is how do i whether it's funding or the best people or the best ideas and uh, and people leaders that can do that really well uh, tend to be very successful
1: yeah i'd agree with that and i think i'd add Um, You know, you mentioned, I agree with everything you mentioned, the passion for the work, um, the ability to pivot to a shared governance environment, perhaps, um, you know, really essential uh, coming out of a corporate career and uh, being able to um, um, pace oneself, um, you know, coming out with this uh, great urgency, but being able to balance that with um, the the leadership perspective to know, you know, these are important um, decisions and impact millions and millions of people. And um, and I think, as you said also, um, someone coming out of a well-resourced environment who may find themselves in a less well-resourced environment, but able to, um, to use what resources are there to influence, you know, and motivate the right decisions and, and, and of course, it's always about the leadership. Um, yeah. It's
2: about yeah, no, I, I, I think so. And I think, yeah, they coming in and having the patience, you know, I, I went uh, a long time ago in my career, I went through a thing called the Institute for Civic Leadership as a participant. And the first day we introduced each other and we split into tables, the nonprofit profit group, the government group, and the corporate group. And we had to do perceptions of each other. And uh, and it was a really fun <laughs> exercise it, 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 during the time and, and even afterwards, as because I've reflected on it many times, because, uh, you know, the uh, non-profit people were, you know, perception of others, you know uh granoli you know sort of driven by purpose and all of this the corporate folks dressed nicely had great suits all about making money and then the government folks were bureaucratic and and all of those different things and i remember the city manager uh of a fairly large city in the u.s said hey you just have to understand when you're in government everybody's your boss and 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 there's politics and things move slower and you may have thought you were going to build a bridge over here but after 10 years of planning it ends up over here and and I think you know leaders that can uh, be versatile and understand that they do some people have a you know it's pretty simple you know some of my, my corporate clients have a you know a small board and they can make decisions and move very quickly. And I think there are, you know, within different sectors, things move at a different pace. To your point, I think was part of that. And, and understanding that your leadership style and approach has to adjust, that doesn't mean that you can't be a catalyst and accelerate things. And I think the really good leaders do think move things through quicker. But, uh, but I think that, that's sort of an interesting one, you know, and the politics around it, because, uh, you know, that can be a big piece for, you know, the leader in charge and guiding through, through things through and navigating.
0: So one thing that I'm
2: that I'm also struck
0: with is that, you know, while you both do focus a lot in the impact space, uh, it's not the exclusive total of, of either of your work that you do, right? So I'm wondering, are there helpful comparisons or points of contrast that you can draw between either, either the nitty-gritty, the day-to-day, you know, is it harder to recruit somebody to lead uh, a lower resourced organization? Is it harder to get the leadership alignment and acceleration going there? Uh, Or even more broadly, are there traits that, uh, Bob, you mentioned a few traits that really do translate? And are there things that, you know, even are there red flags? Are there things that might work really, really well in one industry and you see it and you go, oh no, you can't bring that over here.
2: Well, I'll take a quick crack at it uh, because I think there are lots of things going out there. And, and one of the ones I've seen, and, and I, Diane, I'll be curious to hear if you see it this way. But, you know, in, like in the government sector, you know, the positions can't pay as much. They're not competitive on salary. And, and that's where the purpose and the mission becomes critical. And then also the team and the culture and the fit. Uh, you know those are real uh, competitive advantages you know f- as far as going out to and i and i'm not on the search side but i just know from experience and the leaders that i see my clients trying to attract and bring in that uh you know if they can really share the passion for the mission and the purpose and and then build a culture that is super attractive you know and uh and not seen as being uh you know necessarily what people expect uh, and I think that can be done, and I think, think it can be done in all sectors. And, and that's about leadership, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, as a search consultant, you want to be very careful about, you know, deploying leaders from one sector to another in certain circumstances. And so we use, um, you know, at CRG. Some data analytics tools that I think are particularly helpful. I use them in, in specifically when I am um, building a diverse slate from different sectors, and I want to gain some additional insight into how likely it is that a leader will successfully transition. And you're looking at, you know, measures of of pace and autonomy of decision making and accommodation and all those um behavioral traits and you don't what you want to avoid are some red flags where they are extremes um and you you want a leader who's balanced um who um you know is aggressive as appropriate or ambitious as appropriate for the organization but also balance and has the perspective um and seniority to take a step back as well and um, and, and and just be able to pivot, you know, in, in all circumstances. So, um, and I have thought a great deal about this over the last couple of years. I do believe that there are others uh, definitely a subset of leaders that will transition successfully and others maybe that need a little bit, you know, more professional development. Or that the organization, and this is where Bob's expertise comes in, needs to build that culture internally first um to welcome and have the leader be you know um, successfully onboarded and and able to be successful so i think it's a really important topic you know who you bring in and how you onboard them and how you set up the leadership team for success Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i I think that's really important one of of the first things we do and you know, whether we call it, uh, you know, ground rules, rules of engagement, but how are they going to work together and how are they going to play together and how are they going to be successful together? And I think one of the areas that uh, is really interesting is around decision making, you know, in any organization. But how are we going to make decisions, you know, and, and uh, the importance of making decisions? And, and it's got a lot of, you know, factors. You know, how impactful is it? How many people does it impact? And, and how important is it? and then what level of buy-in do you want and uh, and depending on the circumstance sometimes you have to make quick decisions we all understand that but other times uh, it's really important to move slower and build buy-in and uh, and leaders just understanding you know their need to be versatile you know in that you know really situational and looking at that and I think that uh, you know coming in as a new leader if you're coming out of corporate into a non-profit or, uh, uh, or a government organization, there are multiple bottom lines, and, it, and it's not just about the financial one. And often, people in the organization don't care about you know. They you have to care about the financial bottom line, but let's put it this way: it's not the most important thing that wakes them up in the morning and what makes them want to come to work excited. Uh, so you ha- as a leader, you really have to understand your you know each individual and what really motivates them and excites them. Uh, and you could probably make some, you know, assumptions around types of organizations around, hey, multiple bottom line. It's not just about making revenue. And these things really, really are important.
1: Yeah, it's really, I call it ROI plus impact. I have a formula. <laughs> and yeah, and that really is, is what it's about.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, thank you both for for joining us, going through some of this as well. Um, are there any Final thoughts that you want to share, uh, whether it's about the, uh, the importance of the work uh, that's going on or um, any, any good stories to leave us with, uh, maybe a little bit of inspiration if we're talking so much about, you know, striving for the greater good, uh, something that went really well that you can talk about.
2: I'm going to, I'll start us off with a, a segue anyway, uh, Peter and thanks uh i I just think you know it's really for me this has been fun thank you and uh and diane thank you because it it makes you think about it you know and and what's important and uh and you know to be honest uh you make me think about how can i make an impact and what can i do and and uh and i get excited for people whether it's in their job or career or not in their job you know i i would love to see more people in america uh, be of service and to look for ways they can make an impact uh, and they don't have to be huge uh, you know sometimes they're small and whether that's uh, with your local uh, your know, or or with the place that you work I, I think that the more we can inspire people and and I guess I'll talk about young people right now to get involved get engaged and to really go out and make a difference because uh, you know the experience I've had working with leaders and people is uh, you get back more than you give, and uh, and you can really make a difference. Uh, so anyway, I, I get excited about this stuff, and uh, and I think that we in our jobs and our roles can, you know, certainly open people's eyes and get them to understand that there's there's important work to be done uh, everywhere.
1: Thank you. I agree with with everything you, everything you said, and the two of us have devoted you know a substantial part of our careers to helping. Organizations structure themselves and develop a culture to be successful and have a have a social impact and identify the right leaders. And I think it's all about that. It's all about leadership. And um, and so if you have an interest uh, and you're listening in serving as a leader in social impact uh, or you're already leading an organization, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And. Uh, Learn about your experiences, especially those of you that have transitioned from one sector to another, and how that's gone, and um, you know the the steps you took to be successful in making that transition. It's really important that we learn, yeah,
2: about that. Yeah, I, I'm going to run with that for a second, Diane, because you made me think, which is I, I think one of the things that we could really help people. Uh, is just to be successful as they transition. It doesn't matter which way they're going, if you're going for, from a not-for-profit into the corporate or, or the other way, uh, you know, just to help people think about what are the things that are really important and, you know, what's going on with my leadership and what might I want to do, whether that's coaching or advising or, or what have you. But to, just to ensure success and, uh, you know, hit the ground running. So thanks for that. Uh, you know, sort of lay up there.
1: Yeah, awesome tip. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Great. Thanks, Peter.
1: Thanks, Peter.